0: Locals, uh, it has come to my attention that I'm not very good at telling time. Yes, it's true. I was positive this was the usual time. (laughs) I'm in a different time zone, uh, but, uh, I, I'm positive that when I came here, there was a two hour time difference, but I'm positive that when I woke up it, there's a three hour time difference. I don't know, but I spent all day yesterday, apparently in the wrong hour. Maybe I don't know, or or something. Um, but let me tell you the funniest part about where I am. So first of all, I'm on a on my, uh, on a writer's trip. I needed to get out of the house and especially away from my dog, because um, uh, my dog is uh, very needy, <laughs> and so and uh, so are kids sometimes. So I had to actually get out of my environment so I could get some work done. So I. Uh, I picked a secret location where I would just have a balcony and I would just look at the the ocean and uh, life would be good. There was, however, one thing that it would have been nice if the hotel had mentioned before I booked it. It's just, it's just a little thing. (laughs) The the first room they put me in, uh, and of course I told them my highest priority is the view because basically I'm just gonna be sitting on the balcony writing for a week. So I said, the most important thing, like everything else doesn't matter, service doesn't matter, just give me a view. The first room they put me in had a a nice view of the beach that they covered by putting bushes in front of the the entire uh, front of the view. So if you were sitting on your balcony, you could see the sky. It's the most beautiful beach you could ever look at in your life. And they intentionally put bushes in front of it and charge the same as if you had a view. You can't even make that up. But wait, here's the best part. <laughs> so last night I, I hear uh, some crying babies. I'm like, wow, that is a that is one loud crying baby. Because <laughs> it sounded like it was coming maybe from another balcony or another room. And the more I listened to it, I was like, whoa, that is not a crying baby. That is like more than one crying baby. And then I'm listening to it carefully and I'm like, holy hell, that's not two crying babies. That sounds like 50 crying babies. Like really crying babies. Like continually crying from about 6 p.m. last night until they're still crying right now, just screaming, crying. And I'm not talking about a little bit of crying. I'm talking about really wailing. Turns out there's some kind of bird that lives on the reef down there that screams all night. And it screams exactly like a crying baby all night. It never stops. It's just screaming baby sound. Now, suppose you went on vacation to some place where you wanted to relax and you were wondering about the nature of the hotel and, and what the accommodations would be. Do you think that one of the things that they might have mentioned when they said, well, your room is a certain size with these accommodations, you've got these features and you've got a, a nice view of the ocean. It's a very nice view. The, the view in the second room I moved to is excellent. However, I feel that they should have mentioned that I must listen to 100 screaming babies all night long, even through the closed doors, even when I'm wearing my echo cancellation headphones. It's so loud that the echo cancellation, which is actually really good in the, the, uh, the, the pros, this version of the, the earbuds, the echo cancellation is excellent. Penetrates it like nothing. However, I found the best hack. I take a YouTube video uh, of ocean sounds that people use to fall asleep, and it turns out every ocean sounds like every other ocean. So when I put in the earbuds and turn up the ocean sound and go outside, I'm looking at a real ocean while I'm listening to a fake ocean in my head, and my my brain doesn't know the difference. It's not white noise. It's exactly like I'm listening to the ocean outdoors. <laughs> so thank you for technology. I can actually pretend to be at the ocean while being at the real ocean. How about that? All right, but that's not why you're here. Let's talk about all the things in the news. Um, so I've been talking about the film 2,000 Mules, Dinesh D'Souza's film, that uh, alleges that there were many people delivering multiple bets in the 2020 election. Uh, And I've been looking at the debunks to see how good the debunks are. Um, Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm doing something completely wrong here, am I not? Something completely wrong. There's something missing, isn't there? There's something missing. Is it the simultaneous SIP? Yeah, it is, it is. And my other technical problem is I didn't bring my cheat sheet. So I'm going to need you in the comments to tell me the simultaneous sip. Go. So I can read it. I'll bet you know it. All you need is a cup or a mug or a glass. Blah, 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 blah. And join me now for the simultaneous sip. Are you ready? A tanker, chalice, or stein. A canteen jug or flask. Go. Uh, a vessel of any kind. You, you would remember. My my memory works in a weird way. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm gonna lose my power here in a moment. Sorry, another technical difficulty. It's gonna be that kind of day. Uh, Powering up here. We, we do have a solution for all. What the hell? It's not possible. All right. Uh, now, where was I? So I was uh, looking for any debunks on that movie, 2,000 Mules, and I came across an article in the Washington Post by Philip Bump, in which he also makes the claim that the AP made that the precision of the mobile phone data that showed that multiple people were going to multiple drop boxes, and, uh, uh, or at least allegedly, it seemed to indicate that. And uh, the the debunk is, oh, you can't tell if they dropped off ballots, which isn't really an exact debunk, because the film doesn't claim that 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 the that that data proves anybody dropped ballots. But together with the videos of people doing multiple ballots plus the cell phone data, it creates a story that might be true and might not be, but it's certainly a big enough issue that the country is being torn uh, apart by it. And wouldn't you agree that whether it's true or not true, at this point we need to figure that out? Do we all agree on that? I I have not formed an opinion as to whether this is reliable. I'm pretty agnostic about it at this point. But it's definitely a big question, and it's definitely a big enough question that it could tear the entire republic apart. So if you have something that's that important, I don't think that ignoring it is the right play. Because the longer it is ignored, the more credible will be the claims. Am I right? The longer we ignore it, the more credible it becomes. Because why are they ignoring it? If it's debunkable, why not debunk it? So, Philip Bump, um, I, I made a uh, comment about how weak his debunk was. So, I retweeted his article and noted that it was weak. Uh, Philip Bump came back at me with a retweet, and uh, I forget exact words, but he said something about, uh, about my comment coming from the guy who thought that the Supreme Court leak was a hoax. So Philip Bump's uh, reaction to my comment about his work was to make a comment about me. Who does that? What kind of a person? Comments on not the work of the person or the opinion, but rather the person themselves. Oh, Keith, Keith. So I said, okay, Keith. And I've been using, okay, Keith, for the last day. It really, really makes me feel good (laughs) because people don't know what it means. And that's the best part. So it just, it just takes people completely out of their game. So they'll say some horrible thing about something I allegedly did or did not do, and I'll just say, okay, Keith. And they don't know what to do. It's just the end of the conversation. Now, eventually, somebody will explain it to them. It's a Keith Olbermann reference that Keith Olbermann is one who comes after a person instead of the argument. Um, so then I thought about it for a moment, and I thought, you know, the okay Keith isn't quite enough in this case. And so Philip, his, his, uh, his criticism of me is that um, I'm a person who was so dumb, here I'm reading between the lines, but I think this is the implication, so dumb that I believe that the Supreme Court leak was a hoax and how wrong I was. Oh, how wrong I was. And so I responded, why would it be? What would cause a person like me, a consumer of news, what what would be a series of events or an environment, what would be a situation in which something that's completely true and reported in the news could be regarded as probably a hoax? What what kind of situation would cause a person like me, a reasonable person, in most cases, to believe that maybe the news was fake? Could it be people like Philip Bump? <laughs> could be people who write articles that are not true, and pass them off as news. I'm not entirely sure it's my fault that I believe that a true story was fake. And I'm not entirely sure that that's even an insult. Because if you hear a true story and you say, "I I don't believe it, I feel like you're a good consumer. Now, once the evidence came out, I changed my opinion, didn't I? As soon as the Supreme Court said, oh yeah, that's real, I said, oh, I'm completely wrong. 100% 100% wrong, no no, walking it back, 100% wrong, and now I change my opinion. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Is that really a criticism? Because I think if you see something that's extraordinary in the news, it's usually not true. So there's probably something like a 95% um, correlation between extraordinary things like that like a leak in the Supreme Court's never happened before. So when you see something that's extraordinary in the news, if you don't first think it's fake, you're not a good consumer of news. Well, let me, let me say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't assume it's fake. You should assume it's unproven and there's a good chance it's fake. And that's what I did. So I'm actually proud of being wrong about that. Or is that just me? <laughs> Yeah, that is a hideous painting behind me. I'm looking at comments. 48-hour rule. Well, you know, uh, I'm not sure I would apply the 48-hour rule to myself in that case. I think I just, I was wrong. But I was wrong for a reason that I'm not sure is entirely the fault of any consumer. If you don't believe the news, I'm not sure that's your fault. Do you feel me? If you told me you saw a news report and you didn't believe it, maybe you weren't positive it's untrue but you're simply not believing it yet, I would say good consumer. All right. Um, now, this gets us to the AP. So the AP was the only one who debunked this, but would you like to hear a good debunk, which I tweeted around and because I'm a horrible person, I do not have the name of the person who did this. Let's see if I can quickly find it. But there's a video going around that I retweeted of somebody who's uh, talking about the 2,000 Mules movie and giving what I thought was a really balanced opinion, meaning that uh, he complained about their debunks being useless. Um, Yeah, it's a video. It doesn't have a name on it, but it was really good. I don't know who does this. Well, if he doesn't put his name on it, I guess that's not my fault. Well, let me give you his argument. The argument was this, that the movie claims, uh, and really it's probably the most provocative claim, is that there were multiple people going to multiple drop boxes, right? Now, the videos that were shown were one-offs, one person going to a drop box with multiple ballots. That, by itself, is not necessarily illegal, because it might have been from family members, who knows. And, and, and honestly, if they were just people who were taking it for their neighbor and they were just doing a favor, it might be technically legal. but I'm not gonna care about that, right? Not gonna really care. But here was a good, uh, a good criticism of the movie. The most provocative claim is that the same person went to multiple drop boxes, but there's no evidence shown of that. In other words, they have access to lots of video footage of people at Dropboxes, and they have data suggesting that the same person would go to multiple Dropboxes. Yet there is not even one example of one person going to more than one Dropbox. Now, I don't know if that's actually a reasonable thing to ask for, because it's possible that the places where they have video, uh, and this is just speculation, so I'm not claiming this is true, but one could imagine... That the video covers, let's say, 5% of the drop boxes. Because not everything's going to have a video, will it? How many of the drop boxes are on video with security cameras? Can't be that many. They're not all on video, are they? So, what if only, say, 5% are on video and it would just be too hard to find one person going to more than one under that situation? So he says by law they were all supposed to have a uh, video. Interesting. Now, if that's true, if it's true that they all by law, well, that would be different by state, I would imagine. But if it were true, so these are good questions, right? If it were true that they all had video, why wouldn't Dinesh find you at least one example, just one, of any one person who went to multiple boxes with multiple belts? Now, uh, how many of you were aware that that was missing from the movie? How many of you knew that the primary, really not the primary claim, but let's say by far the strongest claim, if it were true, the strongest claim would be that one person went to multiple places with multiple things. All right. So, so that's, that's really missing. Here's the second thing that's missing. Who else is looking at uh, Dinesh's data? You haven't seen any data. I haven't seen any data. So we're all talking about data that nobody's seen, except the people who made the movie. Can you trust people who make documentaries? Forget about Dinesh D'Souza. Just a general question. Can you trust that somebody who makes a documentary about especially a political topic, can you trust that they're telling the truth? Absolutely not. <laughs> and this has nothing to do with Dinesh, nothing. All right, so, so separate him from the question for the moment if you can. It has nothing to do with who made it. You cannot trust a political documentary, period. I'm not sure anybody makes one to be trusted. I'm not sure they make it to be fair. I don't even think it's a purpose, is it? Does anybody think that Dinesh was trying to make a totally balanced uh, film? Do, do, you think would, do you think he set out, you know, here's what I'd like to do. I would like to make a film that is so balanced, nobody's going to like it. Because that's what would happen. If it were balanced, the right would say, I don't like that that balanced part. The left would say, I don't like that other part. Then nobody would watch it. If you want a movie that a lot of people watch, and why else make it, you're gonna you're gonna make it kind of partisan so that at least one side embraces it fully. That's how you make money. Now, again, I'm not reading anybody's mind. I'm not I'm not assuming any intentions. I'm making a general statement about a political documentary that if you're starting off with trusting it, that's a big mistake, right? It has nothing to do with who made it. It's just a big mistake to trust them in general. All right. Now, uh, so there are two gigantic problems. One is not showing more than one, not showing one person going to more than one box. That, that's just really glaringly missing. And number two, who even knows if the data is real? How many times have people referred to data that wasn't even real? We just went through a whole pandemic where the pharmaceuticals were giving us data and we didn't believe any of it. Or some people did, some people didn't. So we're, we're sort of at a, in a world in which data is not believable. How about that climate change data? Do you believe all of that? Some do, some don't, but nothing is credible anymore. So if you have it, if you're making a case based on data, if this were the year 2000, what would you say about the quality of the case? It's based on data, probably pretty good, but now it's 2022 and we're smarter. Our, our level of awareness has gone way up. And now we know that just because somebody has data and an analysis and experts did it and all the right qualified people were involved, that doesn't mean anything in terms of how real it is, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you think it would. But man, it doesn't. Um, yeah, how many organizations can receive the data? I don't know. I'm, so, so there may... Um, I'm not saying that Dinesh D'Souza doesn't have good responses to these criticisms. In fact, in fact, if what he's doing... Now, you have to factor in that he's smart, right? So factor in that the maker of the documentary is known to be a very smart person. So you can rule out motives that dumb people would do. Right? So so the the subset of potential motives is probably things that smart people do. And one thing a smart person might do is make a claim that people don't believe and and get them all excited about, you know, criticizing it, and then making the data available and proving you're right. Because that would be the biggest impact to let people get really worked up about it, thinking it's fake, and then showing it to them and they're like, oh shit, this is real. All right, uh, I'm being asked to be quiet for a moment so you can hear the crying babies, I'll do that. Can you hear them? All right, they're not crying babies if you're joining us late. There are birds outside on the beach that is a certain kind of bird that screams like a crying baby all night. All night. Never stops. Anyway, um, let's talk about something else. Uh, Google is reintroducing Google Glasses. But they I think they finally figured out um, how to make a killer app. So now the Google Glasses can translate other languages in real time. So you can actually uh, somebody could be talking to you and your Google Glasses will print out what they're saying in real time. So you can have an actual conversation with somebody who is, speaks a different language. You just put it, both put on your glasses and just start talking. <laughs> holy, holy cow. Wow. That is so cool. So maybe this will be what makes uh, Google Glasses work. Cause you could imagine that any, um, any business where, uh, let's say the employee speaks, the employees all speak Spanish and in California, there are lots of them where all the employees speak Spanish. Uh, wouldn't that be helpful? Really helpful. All right. I might get some of those. All right. So there's a big vote in the Senate and the house, um, about abortion and Check me if I'm wrong, Chuck Schumer wanted to put it to a vote to get everybody on record just for political reasons, but he didn't expect it to pass because he knew it wouldn't. And sure enough, it did. So it made it through the House because there was a Democrat majority. And then it hit the Senate and, you know, there, there were enough dissenters like Joe Manchin that it failed. But the point was not to get it passed. The point was not to get it passed. Uh, somebody's saying I should interview Dinesh. Um... Uh, Let me get back to that. Um, And Ian Bremer asked this question on Twitter. He says, why did Senate Democrats demand to vote on an expansive abortion rights bill that was guaranteed to fail when Manchin and several Republicans were prepared to support a bill to endorse Roe versus Wade? So in other words, they had a path. They had a path where they could have gotten more of what they wanted. So instead, they took a path where they would get less of what they wanted Less of what they wanted, but they'd have a the political advantage. Now, I feel as if the politicians have just stopped pretending that they're on our side. This is not even pretending they're on our side, is it? It feels like they, they right in your face and said, you know, we're just going to do something that has no value whatsoever except to our own elections. And we're going to just put it right in your fucking face. We're not even gonna pretend we're helping you this time. This was just for us. So screw you. Now, this won't be the only time that you hear this theme today. This is the theme of my live stream. All right, we'll get back to that. Here's something else the uh, AP said. By the way, it was only recently that I thought the AP was a uh, credible organization. (laughs) It doesn't appear to be. I don't know. I don't know what's behind it, but the AP appears to be not even on the side of the United States. Now again, I'm not I'm not reading any minds. And that that's not an allegation. I'm going to say that it feels like that. So based on how the AP has acted recently, they don't act like they're even on the side of the United States. Just saying. Uh, let me give you another example. Um, So Zeke Miller, who works for the AP, he tweeted this. He said, Senate Democrats' bill to write Roe v. Wade into law blocked by a GOP-led filibuster as Supreme Court weighs abortion case. So that's what he tweeted. Here's what Ted Cruz tweeted in response. Every word of this is egregiously false. (laughs) You know why? (laughs) Do you know why Ted Cruz says every word of that tweet is false? Because it is. Every part of it. There's there's nothing true about it. And is the AP even trying? Here's what Ted Cruz says. Does AP even pretend anymore? I was thinking exactly that. I was thinking it doesn't look like they're pretending anymore. It looks like they're just fucking with us at this point. And, And then Ted Cruz corrects them. He says, here's an accurate headline. Bipartisan majority of the Senate... Rejects Dem proposal to overturn every single restriction on abortion enacted over the last 50 years. So, basically, it was a bill that not even Democrats would support. I mean, human humans, not politicians. You know, regular citizens. Because almost everybody supports some kind of a little restriction on abortion, right? Almost everybody. You know, it might be the, the last day before you give natural childbirth, but that's a restriction. Apparently that would go away. All right, I suppose if it's the last day before you're born, you're just... That's not really an abortion. You're just born. All right. Um, Here's something else happening. Uh, The AP... Oh, the AP again. So the AP uh, has this headline on Twitter. Elon Musk boasts that he's acquiring Twitter to defend freedom of speech, but. He has long used the platform to attack those who disagree with him. Wait, what did you just say? What? (laughs) Does that even make sense? Elon Musk likes free speech, but, and I guess the but is telling us that this is going to be something that's opposite of free speech. He uses his free speech. Wait. Okay. All right, the AP is saying that Elon Musk is pretending to like free speech, and that's why he's buying Twitter, but, but, and here's the contradiction, he also uses free speech to criticize people. What? <laughs> it's just free speech. This is a headline that says, Elon Musk likes free speech and he uses free speech, and he'd like you to have free speech, and he wants everybody to have free speech. That's the headline. And somehow they put that butt in there like, like he's anti-free speech. And so I ask you, is the AP even trying? Because these are all current examples. None of them, this isn't even historical. <laughs> Somebody says I've changed since Elon freed Twitter. I have, I have. I am absolutely taking more risks. Now he hasn't bought it yet, so it's not a done deal. But I'm absolutely taking more risks because it's the right time to do it. If I get canceled now, it's a much bigger deal, right? If I got canceled a year ago, people would say, ah, we don't like it, but we forgot about it already. But if it happened today, it would fit the headline, right? Now the headline is Twitter. So if I get kicked off of Twitter for doing something that's not terrible, which is I don't do anything terrible, Um, That would be sort of a big story at this point. So it's a good time to be, uh, and by the way, I'm doing it in the comic strip as well. (laughs) Um, Dilbert became a big deal because I took more chances early in my career. But then when things are going well, you start taking fewer chances. It's just natural, right? But I realize it makes it worse. I mean, it's just, it's the provocation that drew people to it in the first place. So I am making Dilbert more provocative. It's giving my editor uh, quite a bit of heartburn at the moment. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, it's like Elon signed my freedom papers. You know what it is? Here's what it is. It's not just that it's the right timing. It's that I think you would have my back. That's what it feels like. I, I feel like the Internet dads, and you know, I use that term a lot, so don't don't make me redefine it, I feel like at this point in time, the internet dads would not let me get canceled for, for a bad reason. I mean if I get canceled because I actually did something cancelable, that's that's on me. But I don't feel like I don't feel like I don't feel like the internet dads would let it happen. I, I feel like they've got my back. As I would have theirs. So it works both ways. Um, all right. I mean, let, let me give you an ex- another example. So this is not directly comparable to me, but I'll just pick a person. Could you imagine if uh, Mike Cernovich got kicked off of Twitter? There would be a really big response to that, wouldn't there? Because that would hit you. Like he has enough people who care about his, you know, his voice a lot that that would be that would be a big, big fight. Like that would be a fight. That that would be a fight to the end. Right, that that's a that's a don't give up fight, that that's a that's you have to you have to finish off the other team, if they go that far kind of fight. That's less nuclear, right? Now I'm just using it as an example. Yeah, you could add you could add 15 people to that list it would be same way. You know, imagine yeah, imagine Ben Shapiro being kicked off of Twitter, right? Like, would you let that sit? No, no, you would not. Now. If, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos gets kicked off of Twitter because he said some sketchy stuff, I don't know if I'm going to... I'm not going to go to war for that. That feels like a little bit more on him. You know what I mean? But these other voices that are, you know, really standard foundational voices for a lot of people, if one of them gets knocked off, that's a whole different deal, I think. All right. Um... So, apparently, there's news from some whistleblowers who are never credible, but whistleblowers at the FBI. What could be less credible than an FBI whistleblower? The, 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 one of the least credible entities in the United States is the FBI. Now, unfortunately, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't always that way, but at the moment, I think the entire country would agree by majority that the FBI is no longer a, a credible organization. In other words, they, they lie to you intentionally for whatever reasons, political or otherwise. But you wouldn't trust anything they said at this point if, if you're paying attention. Um, so a whistleblower at the FBI is even less dependable. <laughs> doesn't mean it's wrong. Doesn't mean the whistleblower doesn't exist. But if you automatically believe the um, the secret source, you know, the secret source, because it because they were called a whistleblower, You know, if somebody says, I have an anonymous source, what's your first thought? That's not true. But if somebody says, I have a whistleblower, what's your first thought? Probably true, right? And what's the difference between an anonymous source and a whistleblower? Not that much, right? But if you use the word anonymous source, you automatically say, ah, I don't believe it. As soon as you say whistleblower, you're, you're biased to believe it, aren't you? Don't. I wouldn't believe an FBI whistleblower or somebody who reported one existed. You know, we haven't even we haven't seen the whistleblower. If the, if the whistleblower comes forward, I would revise it. But a secret whistleblower is just an anonymous source, right? That's just an anonymous source. So when the Congress, whoever wrote up some, some statement here, called it a whistleblower, that's just propaganda, might be true. Someday, but at the moment, it's propaganda. All right. So, but the story is that there are several efforts within the FBI counterterrorism group to go after parents who attended uh, school board meetings and exercised their freedom of speech. Now, if the government is going after, let's just say it, conservatives and Republicans. All right, because that's that's who we're talking about. Those were the parents complaining in this context. It wasn't the Democrats. It was Republicans. And the government has decided to target Republicans for FBI um, counterterrorism investigations for exercising free speech on an important topic about their own children in a public setting which invited free speech. Now, thank you. Uh, There's a a comment on uh, locals that I think sums it up perfectly fucking terrifying right there's nothing else you can say about that it's just fucking terrifying now wasn't it Obama who used the IRS to target Republicans the Tea Party people was that true or is that just a rumor that's true right now what if this is true and again it's a whistleblower from the FBI so that's a pretty that's a very low standard for truth but if it's true Would this be an example of my prediction before the election uh, that got Biden into office that if Biden got elected, Republicans would be hunted? Is this not hunting Republicans? Now, when I said they would be hunted, that that didn't mean, you know, with hunting tags and rifles, necessarily. (laughs) Necessarily. It meant, you know, figuratively hunted. They would be looked for, identified, and punished. Haunted. So can we all agree that that was one of my best predictions? As horrible as it is? Yes. Yes, I believe that was one of my best predictions. Would it surprise you to know that when people mock me, they use that example as my worst prediction? It's because their news doesn't show any of this stuff. So their news doesn't show any of it. Are you in Obama's Martha's Vineyard guest cabin? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. All right. Um, So here's more on the theme of is the government even trying to help the citizens anymore? Apparently the Biden administration canceled oil and gas lease sales in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico. Wait, what? Uh, what's the price of gas and what's inflation doing and here's an obvious way to deal with it, an obvious way straightforward, obvious solution and he cancelled it now I get it climate change, blah 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 but at this point is there anybody smart who thinks this is a good idea in other words is there anybody who's in, not you know, directly in the political world who thinks this is a good idea right now now, even if you think, uh, <laughs> yeah, even if you think that climate change is you know a huge problem and we need to do everything we can, this isn't really the time to be fussing with that, is it? This is sort of the time to save our lives and then work on whatever else we think is important. So I think I'd be more worried about saving us economically uh, over the next five years and a little little less about climate change that hasn't really been a problem yet. And I think we'll actually mitigate the, uh, the outcomes. Um, North Korea has ordered a nationwide lockdown after reporting its first COVID case. Uh, first one. How about that? So I guess uh, North Korea actually uh, did better than China. First one. <laughs> I don't even know what's behind that. Like, why would they even bother telling us that there's one? doesn't make any sense. Oh, William, you're so smart. All right. Um, Here's some other stuff going on. How many of you thought I was crazy when I said, is it my imagination or as the administration stopped trying to help Ukraine simply defend itself and started thinking that Ukraine would just win the war outright. How many thought that's, well, that's crazy? And so here's an article in The Federalist by John Daniel Davidson. And he talks about, uh, I'll just read this piece that's relevant. He says, "Uh, now instead of simply helping Ukraine stave off invasion and conquest, U.S. policy seems to have shifted into something uh, something else entirely the permanent weakening of Russia at any cost. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said so explicitly after a clandestine visit to Ukraine with Secretary of State Anthony Blinken last month. After her own recent trip to Kiev, Democratic uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi characterized the war as, quote, a global struggle for democracy. Uh, Okay. Now, may I have my due? Yeah, so I'm seeing Woody saying, you thought it sounded crazy, and now it's, it's the news. It's literally happened. So, pretty good, wouldn't you say? Pretty good prediction, I think. Um, so, here's what's weird. I think we're going to come, come to a situation that, that however, this goes. Putin is going to claim victory because he got some extra control or whatever of Ukraine. Uh, or maybe he denazified it, he's going to say. So Putin is going to claim victory. NATO will probably claim victory because they created more NATO nations. They defended Ukraine, maybe. And, um, and they'll just say that they beat Russia back. Right? And that Ukraine is going to claim victory, assuming that they remain a country however big they are when they're done. So, is this the only war where everybody's going to win? <laughs> Shelly. Shelly, Shelly, Shelly. I don't know if you're the real Shelly, but we're going to hide you on this channel, Shelly. Because I know everybody wanted to go off on you, but since I'm not sure you're the real Shelly, you might be just trying to. You might be trying to prompt me to go off on you. So, so I'm not going to fall for it this time. All right. Um, <laughs> all right, here's an important uh, comment. I'd like to read this to the rest of you. This is from Hobster. It says, Scott, I had something I wanted to tell you, but now I've forgotten what it was. Okay, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. So that's uh, that's what's happening. Now, do you think we're heading into a World War III? There is a weird way in which we fight Russia. So for decades, we've been fighting Russia while saying we're not fighting Russia. And Russia has been fighting us while saying they're not fighting us. And you wonder how far we can take it. Yeah, you know, obviously we took it to the point where we were secretly helping uh, Ukraine, but everybody knew. We took it to the point where we were then directly giving them money and everybody knew. Now it seems there's almost no doubt that we're helping them with targeting and you know locating targets. Don't you believe i mean do you really think that we have that information and we're not telling ukraine really because we have the information right because we have the satellites we have the assets and you think we're not going to tell them where stuff is they are our ally <laughs> do, do you think allies don't share information that's critical to the survival of another ally of course they do of course they do do you think russia is aware that the united states is sharing critical military data with ukraine of course they are, of course they are. Everybody is. There's nobody who doesn't know it. So explain to me why this isn't World War Three. The entire war is affect. The entire world is affected, at least in terms of you know, resources, and economics. The whole world is affected, and it is the United States in a military war with Russia. Does it really matter that no American soldier is getting shot? I mean, it matters to military soldiers, but it doesn't matter to whether it's a world war or not. It doesn't matter to whether we're involved or not. So I really, I'm just sort of amazed. And I, I feel that the reason we can get away with it is the following. See if, see if this tracks with what you're thinking. I think we can get away with it. Now, it's risky business, no doubt about it. Could could spark a nuclear confrontation. That's That's a big risk. But I do think we're gonna get away with it, and here's why. Because for decades, the United States and Russia has pretended that being at war with each other is not really a war. And I don't know if we can get out of the habit. And so I think we can just take advantage of the fact that this habit is so well established that the United States can attack our elections and just say, nope, we didn't really. You know that attacking of your, your elections? Eh, not really. Not really. Do you think that Russia has done anything to help any uh, enemies of the United States? Well, if you asked them, they'd say, no, not really. Nope, nothing like that happened. So as long as we live in a world in which Putin can say anything that's true is false and just say it in public, no, that's not happening. Nope, nothing like that. Why don't we just do the same thing? And apparently that's what the government, that's what Biden administration has decided to do. They've decided just to act the same way. Oh, no, it's not a war. No, no, war. I don't even know what you're talking about. Really, I'm confused by the question. War? What war? And as weird as this is, I think it's going to work. So if you think the United States is acting crazy, because it's doing an actual war, I mean, without our own soldiers, but we're clearly deeply involved. If if you think that it's crazy to run a war and then say you're not running a war, this is the only time that might work because Russia has so deeply ingrained the whole, we're not doing this? Oh no, we're not going to attack Ukraine. No, no, attack Ukraine? I don't know what you're talking about. And then they attack Ukraine. Apparently, we could just say anything now because once Russia has been... Outed itself as completely dishonest all the time. It doesn't matter what you tell them. It really doesn't. Doesn't matter what's true. Doesn't matter. Get away with permanently weakening Russia. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think it we don't know if it'll work, but do you think it would be a good idea to permanently weaken Russia? I don't know. Because the world is a very unpredictable place. And one of the weird outcomes that could come from permanently uh, weakening Russia is... What would be the weirdest outcome from permanently weakening Russia? The weirdest outcome. Strength in China? Mm, not really. I don't think it makes a difference to China one way or the other. The weirdest outcome would that Russia and the United States would finally become allies because they always should have been. We ju- we're just not natural enemies. We're we're psychological enemies. We're not natural enemies. A natural enemy is somebody who's you know th- there's a, a real door- border dispute or um, there's a real risk. There's a real something. But this is entirely psychological. We've just decided we're enemies and we act like it. So this is not like any other situation. Yeah, we. we we are fated to become allies. This might be an accelerator, you know. We are fated to become allies. That's just going to happen. All right. Um, let's see what else is happening. You know, I'm just going to quickly review things I've tweeted lately. Um, is it is it true that... Russia has basically given up on all of Ukraine except the eastern part that they're trying to consolidate their little land bridge? Is that... Because the news out of, out of Ukraine is so so bad and so undependable. But is that the current situation that Russia is not doing much in most of Ukraine? They've given up on Kyiv. Right. And is it also... I also saw a report that I don't leave... I don't believe that Ukraine is pushing Russia back militarily, just one-on-one. They're just literally just defeating them on the battlefield. Do you think that's true? Because it could be. Because apparently the Ukrainians are better trained and have better equipment. And, and they're, the, you know, they're fighting for their own territory. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it's true, but it could be. You know, maybe in at least one case, maybe two. Right. Yeah, I think I think a a skeptical consumer can say maybe not. Maybe not. Right. That's the narrative but not really true. Yeah. They're getting lots of help, correct. But it does seem that Russia is not making gains. Would that be true? Would would you agree? that the news is unified from all sources, that Russia is not making gains? No, people are disagreeing with that. Or are you agreeing? You're saying no, does that agree or disagree? I'm not sure. So some are saying that they are still making gains. Mariupol, I mean, Mariupol's basically a dead city. So whoever whoever owns that, you know, good luck. I mean, that unfortunately, the city's already dead. They are taking villages, somebody says. I don't know. So maybe. Um, I, I talk, We talked about Dinesh and the one person going to two ballot boxes. So you, you missed the first part. If you want to replay that, there's a detailed discussion of that in the beginning of this live stream. All right. That's all I got for you. Oh, I'm writing a book on reframing. Um, you're going to love it. Um You need to follow a few pro-Russian telegram accounts to see the whole picture. That's not going to help me. How many liars do I need to look at to get the truth? If I look at Russia, you know, Russia media, is any of it true? Is any of the Ukrainian stuff true? I don't think any of it's true. So, Russia is losing troops and equipment at an unsustainable rate. You know, I think part of the $40 billion package for Ukraine, and you see a lot of people complaining, rightfully, complaining that we should be spending the money here and not defending a country on the other side of the world. But here's, the, here's I guess, my take on it. To me, there's no difference between our military strategy and our economic strategy. So those are, those are tied. So when we approve $40 billion, what's your first thought about that amount? Is it something like three times as much as we've given altogether so far? Or something like, it's a a big number compared to what we've done so far. So what what does it do to your brain when you hear that number? Let's say you're Russia. What does it do to Putin when you hear that number? $40 billion. That's the number that tells you they're playing to win right? They're not playing to negotiate. In fact, we're not negotiating at all. Ukraine isn't even negotiating, I don't think. Uh, the $40 billion is so big that it sends, it sends a signal to Putin that we're going to win at all costs. Because $40 billion is pretty close to all costs. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a big number. Now, suppose we had done the opposite. Suppose we had said, you know, we'll allocate $40 billion, but we're going to give you $5 billion at a time, you know, and and if you and if things go wrong, we'll we'll stop giving you money. What if we'd said that? Because that's a reasonable way to fund anything, right? You say, well, it could be this big, but we're not going to give that all to you. We're we're going to start with a little bit, see how that works out, and then you know maybe we'll get to the end, maybe we don't. That would make sense. But when you say we're going to give you, we're going to give one side forty billion dollars, that is a signal to Russia, a military signal. It's a military signal to Russia that they're gonna lose. Because if we said we're gonna give them 5 billion, Putin would say, huh, that doesn't sound like enough. I'd better double down because I could win this thing. But when, when Biden said, and I think wisely, from a military perspective, not from an economic perspective, uh, so you know obviously that has negative re- repercussions for Americans. But from a military perspective, the 40 billion is brilliant. Why not 200 billion? Because they wouldn't be able to sell it. 40 billion should be enough to make everybody in the United States go. <sighs> but 200 billion would just—they just lose us. That 200 billion, we'd say, okay, just close down the government. We don't need you anymore. <laughs> That's just too much. 40 billion is too much, but it's exactly the right amount for military purposes. It—it it tells you that we're going to win. I've often talked about the difference between wanting something and deciding. When people want something, they're not necessarily going to work as hard as they could to get it. When they decide something, they will do whatever it takes. So people who have made a decision are dangerous because they're not going to stop. Right? It's only people who want something that can be talked out of it. Ah, okay, well, I guess I don't want it that much. But once you've decided, nothing can talk you out of it. And this forty billion is Biden administration telling Russia, okay, we just decided you're losing because you know the United States can decide who wins. We can because we have the resources to just make it happen. You know it would hurt, but we could do it. You know the, we've we've been talking about Russia and Putin. If he wanted to sacrifice enough, he could get Ukraine. You would just have to be willing to do the sacrifice enough. But it works both ways. Biden just basically just uh, signaled that he's willing to risk World War III and a nuclear confrontation. He's willing to be clearly seen as in war with Russia, and he's gonna put in enough money to win. If Trump had done this, I would have said it was brilliant. Militarily, brilliant. Because this is the kill shot. This is a psychological kill shot to the Russian army. Right? If you were the Russian army and you got wind that the United States just fully funded it, fully funded it, they're not just throwing some dimes at it to, you know, act like we're sort of helping a, a friend, you know, just so we can say we helped, well, we helped. No. The United States just decided to win the fucking war. That's what happened. Or at least that's what we're signaling. It's entirely possible that we're saying we're going to give them 40 billion and we have no intention of doing that right? That's very possible. (laughs) It's entirely possible that we've never planned to give them $40 billion. And maybe even they know that. We may have said to them, you know, you need 10. 10 is what we'll give you. But, you know, don't panic when we say it's 40, because that's for Putin. Win the dissolution of America. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's risky. I'm not saying it's not risky. Everything's risky. The real reason is to distract from Biden's many failures, well, you know, that's, that's true of everything that he does, right? Everything Biden does at this point is also a distraction. So here we have our government doing uh, all the wrong things, except I'm going to have to say that 40 billion thing is a good military psychological kill shot for the Russian army. Don't know if it will kill them, don't know if it will make a difference, but it's a strong, strong play. Uh, for you and your arms buddies. Do I have arms buddies? (laughs) Somebody's saying, Scott will be predicting Ukraine's victory when Putin is accepting their surrender. Well, hell hell a dork. Let me say to your comment, you're obviously an idiot, or, or a Keith, because you literally just saw a live stream in which I admitted, with no qualifications, a prediction I got wrong, which was the Supreme Court document being a hoax. Now, having just seen me, full-throatedly and with no ambiguity admitting a prediction was wrong, why would you think I would do it on this case? Well, what would make me act differently in this case? Because you have, you have to you have to understand that my credibility which is what I care about for these purposes, is only supported by me telling you what is obviously true. <laughs> if I get one wrong and I tell you I, I didn't, oh, uh, then my whole my whole business model falls apart. So I re- I'm required to tell you when I'm wrong, if it's obvious I'm wrong, like right? I and mean, if there's some ambiguity or an argument, I might, uh, I'm gonna make the argument. But if I'm just wrong wrong, I'm gonna tell you, because I want you to believe I'll tell you when I'm wrong. That's my benefit, because if you're thinking in a, in a limited, low-awareness way, a low-awareness person will lie to make themselves look good. Has that ever worked? In the short runs, maybe. But it's a terrible long-run strategy. You know, lying to look good, terrible long-run strategy. So I would rather look bad in the short run, so that in the long run, people could say, oh yeah, he did change his mind on that thing. You know, he did take... He, he saw both sides. He, he admitted when he's wrong. That's pretty important. And by the way, I, I would like to model that for you in case anybody wants to admit they're wrong sometimes. Right? You, you need to get over the embarrassment of it. I've told you before that being immune to embarrassment is like a superpower. Yeah, I, I swear you, you can you can walk the earth like a god if you're not embarrassed about anything. So being wrong... Should not embarrass you. You should be proud that you're a person who is flexible enough to say when you're wrong. That's what you should find pride in. If 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 you're stuck with uh, people who like if I got if I got one wrong, that's just a bad place to be. Don't be there. You know, be wrong with gusto. You you should be you should be just as enthusiastic about when you're wrong as when you're right. And I think I was. When, when I told you I was wrong about the Supreme Court document being a hoax, I'm enthusiastically telling you that. Totally wrong. Super wrong. Way wrong. Right? I'm not going to fudge it. The birds are quiet. I guess it's just a daytime thing. So, so it looks like, it looks like it's just a darkness problem. All right. That. Did I just see my sister go by there on the comments? Um, the birds, the birds fear you. Is the pandemic over? Uh, don't remember I predicted that the leak was a hoax. I predicted it. Um, I did predict that. Huh? Oh, you're a different, a different uh, person with that name. Okay, all right. That's all for now. Um, was this the best live stream you've ever seen? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Probably. And we'll try to do it tomorrow. I don't know if I can do this at the right time zone tomorrow because that's a that's a pretty early wake-up call. <laughs> uh, Ash, that's a good question. I think it had to do something to do with mushrooms. All right. That's all for now. Um, well, I'm being asked for an update on Boo the Cat. Boo the Cat, unfortunately, has passed to the other side um, earlier earlier last week. Uh, so, with respect and love, I held her a little uh, head and sent her to the next world. Um, you were tweeting... Yeah, I was awake, but... I wasn't functioning too well at 3 a.m. All right, that's all for now, and I'll talk to you tomorrow, YouTubers.